This is We Are Netflix, Netflix employees talking about work and life at Netflix. I can't emphasize more about how exciting it is to be building the audience for the Korean shows, like for the world. We are just incredibly proud about the kind of content that we are producing in Korea. In recent years, Korea has become a major force in the television and film industries, producing a growing number of shows and movies watched by millions of fans around the world. I'm Lyle Troxell, and on this episode of We Are Netflix, we'll hear how our Korean team, based in Seoul, is helping to bring new Korean stories to global audiences, as well as bringing content from around the world to Korean viewers. I spoke to two members of the team, Gina Kim, Director of Marketing, and Min Kim, Director of Content. We talked about Korean culture and storytelling, about what it's like to work for Netflix in Korea, about what they look for when hiring new team members, and more. Min or Gina, either of you can talk about this. When you're in Seoul um, and you're in front of the Netflix office, what does it feel like on the street? And when you enter, how does it change? What does it feel like? Tell us a little story. We just opened our new Seoul office. So the feeling is still fresh and still exciting. And then like every morning I get up and I think about the, the wonderful space that we have. Then once you get there, you see a lot of familiar faces and then you say hi, they say hi. And then you get to just talk to people and start working. It's just a really nice feeling. What's, what's interesting about Seoul office is it's located in the area that's really developed. Uh, but it's it's on the edge of a very developed city. And on one side, you see palaces, mountains, a very traditional area. But on the other side, you see big buildings, uh, sort of... The city of Seoul. Exactly. Yeah. Seoul as a city, I think it has a lot of interesting aspects. It has all the old town with all the old houses and palaces, as been said. And also there are, are areas that are just so just modern and then just newly developed and everything is just shiny. But I think our office actually captures that, that all different colors and aspects of Seoul. So, and then you can pretty much enjoy all different parts of Seoul just by sitting in that office looking out the window. And are people that are in the office with you from all over Korea? Not only all over Korea. Some people from overseas and then from all over Korea too. Yes. Tell me what you mean by content. I mean, I, I kind of inherently know what it means, but your role early on, what, what it looked like um, and how does it look now? Um, so I think uh, as we grew business in Asia, uh, the company became more and more confident that we, the Korean content is going to play a significant role in uh, building the business and growing in Asia. So uh, we wanted to make sure that we uh, find great storytellers, find great uh, Korean shows that has potential to travel regionally, if not globally. And we felt like we needed to be closer to that creative industry. So at the beginning, we, we've had Team Korea working on Korea. Uh, from Singapore. From Singapore. Uh, but on the content and production side, we definitely needed to be closer to the creative industry. Yeah. So uh, at first, we were a small group of people that consist of the content team where we license Korean shows, but we also make our originals as well. Shows like Kingdom, Love Alarm, Busted. 
Yeah. And so that, that licensing piece is a very important piece to be local. And that would be what you'd start with right, at right. some point. It's just making sure all the studios, all the production companies in Korea are making shows know that we're interested in some of them and finding right. out the ones that fit. Right. What do you envision being available in the Netflix service in a few years? What, how do you see your success? If you're successful in your role as director of content for Korea, what does the service look like in a few years? I think success for the Korean content team is to get uh, existing K-drama fans on our service and to be positioned as the go-to place to watch the top, the most exciting Korean shows. But at the same time, getting the audiences who haven't watched Korean content before and get them to watch the shows that we are making, that's from Korea. Okay, so that sounds like two strategies of kind of a global representation of Korean content throughout the world through the Netflix service, which will be done by producing a lot of locally produced Korean shows or getting shows that are really quite good there on the service so that a global market can get it. But you mentioned K-drama? K, uh, mm-hmm. Korean, Korean drama. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's also a certain style, isn't it? Uh, so that's what we're trying to overcome. Traditionally, the K-drama has a perception that it's just about romance and comedy. But there are so many other great Korean shows that comes out of Korea. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we introduce different types of shows that the existing Korean content fans can also watch and sort of expand the shows that they're watching. Okay, interesting. There's been quite a bit of innovation in Korean television, right? Because there's this, like audience feedback system that sometimes occurs that I've heard about where the audience will be watching and they'll rewrite what the next show is going to be like and they'll release it that day and then the audience feedback will again change it. Can you describe that to me? In the traditional system, it's more like a real-time production. So It's like a play. Exactly. Okay. Uh, So the the, the creators and the producers think of uh, drama as something that breathes with the audience. It's more like a living... Uh, organic creature. So they will have a couple of episodes ready and they will sort of try to capture the audience response as they air the shows and apply their learnings to the later episodes. Um, so it, Isn't that hard to do? It's very hard to do, but I do believe because it, it's something that only Koreans can actually uh, accomplish. Very cool. I grew up in a theatrical family, so to me, that idea of the audience having feedback seems like that's one piece we miss from traditional television and, and movies. I love it. It's, it's really interesting. Are, is there any plans to do that kind of work in Netflix? Um, I think uh, I think there are other players that are already great mm-hmm. at doing uh, doing production in certain ways. I think what our audiences will expect from us is something that they couldn't experience before. Yeah. Um, so I think we're trying to find those white spaces and that could be a shows like Kingdom at a bigger scale yeah. that needs like a, a, and shows that needs high VFX. And in order to make sure that we produce the best version of those shows, we need to make sure that the quality uh, is there to satisfy our audiences. So the ha- approach that we're taking is a little more yeah. uh, planned uh, than how it has been done before. Right now, I'm assuming the stars in Korea are booked with the with the big houses there. How are you making it a space where they want to work with us? Directors, actors. Korean entertainment industry is pretty big. And we are just one of the small players in Korea right now. Uh, but I think our value is uh, globally is giving that creative freedom to, uh, to the creators uh, and putting... Uh, 
audience, our, our users' interest at best. So I think that is actually a great uh, value that our team on ground continuously communicate to the talents, the creators. Um, and we are seeing more and more of those uh, creators and talents who actually appreciate the value that Netflix is bringing. That large audience, the global audience. Exactly, yeah. the global audience, the creative freedom. Um, I think all those things are uh, very valuable things that our partners find on working with Netflix. Okay, great. Um, Gina, I want to transfer over to marketing for a minute, and I want to talk about... That's a show like Orange is the New Black or Stranger Things produced in the States and then is presented to your audience. How do you market that to a Korean audience? Let's talk about Stranger Things, for example. So this uh, summer we launched Stranger Things Season 3. And because it was Season 3, I think there was already a fandom who watched Season 1 and Season 2. But also just going back to your question, uh, Korean audience, they they, they have watched a lot of Hollywood movies and then they have watched a lot of Midu series. That Midu is something uh, that like Hollywood TV series. That's the term that we call. What is Midu? Midu is like American TV series or okay. English speaking TV series. Why and are they called Midu's? Midu is like, Miguk is America and Du is drama. <laughs> so oh, okay. Okay. it's a, like a local it's term, abbreviation, abbreviation yeah. Yeah, that, okay, that people just, fans use very casually. It's not in dictionary or anything. It's right. just something that people just use. Uh, and it and represents the, stream, the, the traditional yes, linear so television yes, the States. So there's the culture of watching Midu and there's audience and, and, for, and then fans of uh, Midu. So I think, um, and people's, some people already knew that that Stranger Things, Stranger Things is a great show, but because we didn't um, proactively promote like Stranger Things season one and two in Korea, so for season three we wanted to do something very different. So the teams has built, uh, for example, the teams has built a upside down house in Seoul. Really? Yes. And then they kind of brought uh, the Hawkins and then the whole background and all the props and everything to that house, which was a just perfect way of experiencing. Was this the, house built inside like a soundstage? Or was it built out? No, no. It was just we just rented an, an extra house in downtown Seoul. And then we just uh, made it an upside down house with all the Stranger Things themes. Wonderful. Yes. So you see a lot of Halloween stuff going on. And then once you get there, you can see the the rooms of the kids and then there was just a lot of props uh, from th that was uh, from the show that we used so people could actually experience uh, and, and who got to experience it uh, just anyone anyone that wanted to visit yes and then we also had uh, like some sort of small escape room experience in the basement so if you try to remember the season one 11 has to escape from the the the, the place the that facility. she was yeah facility yeah. and then so there was some of that so it was just a lot of fun stuff that people could just do and then a lot of people came and then the um uh, tickets for the of course it was the uh People didn't have to pay for it, but but we had the booking system for the escape room. It was just completely all booked up all the time. Yes, all Are the escape time. rooms pretty uh, common in Korea. Uh yeah, I would say pastime? so. Yeah, but using it like but experiencing it uh, in the world of Stranger Things, it was really exciting. Fantastic! Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. So that I mean, that sounds like the same type of uh, wonderful experience that would happen anywhere for that show. Was there anything about it that you have to? 
say differently about the show? Or is it because there's so much knowledge of pop culture in the States that you can just say, me do, and they, everyone understands it? I think so. Oh, interesting. So it's not a big cultural divide from the that kind of show. Uh, I would say there is a differences. And then, of course, uh, Koreans... As Korean audience love watching Korean content and local shows and movies, but also there is an appetite for something That's, else, that and then makes your job a little easier. Um, yes, that makes my job a little more interesting and exciting. Yeah. All right, let's talk about you both working together on something. We'll just take a Netflix original because we actually have now Netflix original Korea produced shows, and the scary one to talk about is Kingdom, which is this kind of. Well, would you describe describe Kingdom? And actually, did you get the pitch for Kingdom? Did you receive that pitch? So it was one of uh, one of our creative executive Kyo who met the writer Kimuni and asked our favorite question: "What story do you want to tell?" Mm-hmm. Um, and we waited for a certain period of time, nervously, and she came back to us with Kingdom, which we were very uh, grateful for. It was it was a show that she has kept to herself because she believed that in the traditional system, she cannot create a show that sort of fits her vision. Mm. She might have to compromise on a lot of stuff. So when we asked her that question, um, she thought of Kingdom and she, she had brought it to us and it was exactly what we were looking for. Was she well known already? She had been uh, pretty well known and popular through her previous shows such as Signal. And pretty well respected as well. And the shows that she had been writing were slightly different from what has been produced a lot in in the industry. So we So she was already kind of pushing the envelope of of what is acceptable and fits the model, if you will. Right, right. So when she brought this to you and she said she was holding on to it and she gave it to you, did you receive it in her presenting you a script? Did you get storyboards? Did she talk about it in a a presentation? How how did you you hear about this story for the first time? So so she she talked about the story, but because she has been uh, planning this for a long time, she had created this into a... uh, a comic book, a webtoon comic book. So we, we had certain things. We, we, we had some drawings, style drawings guides kind of, for yeah. us to sort of actually look at and sort of sort of uh, get the feel of what the show will be like. Okay. Go ahead and give us the marketing pitch of what the show is. How do you describe Kingdom? It's a zombie show set in the time where there weren't proper weapons. Uh, but it's not just about our heroes fighting zombies. It's we talk about the cl- different classes that happened in that uh, peri- Joseon Dynasty period. We ta- we want uh, the, our, the creators wanted to talk about the the hunger of these people in that Joseon Dynasty mm-hmm. uh, and what it means to be that uh, noble uh, prince who puts the people at first. It has, so it has a, a lot of different yeah, it meanings. Sounds, yeah. It, it has a lot of different meanings, uh, but it's also a zombie in a show. Very entertaining way. Yeah, it's also a beautiful show. I yeah. mean, the and costumes are lovely. I don't want to call it a zombie show. I think it's just a little more about a battle of survival in so many different aspects. If you're a zombie, then you want to survive, and then. You well, I think if you're a zombie, you want to eat brains. I don't. I'm not sure about that, but uh, but they <laughs> uh, because they have to survive. Hence, they eat 
some brains. Right. <laughs> I think that's how it works. It's not because they just yeah. want to eat brains. <laughs> But it's also about everybody. I mean, it's about everybody. And then there's a lot of power struggle. And then there's just a lot of ambitions. And then people having different purposes and different uh, looking for different things. But but because it's in a, such an interesting setting, as Min said, I think everyone is trying to survive. And then you have to fight for your own, fight for your own like, success. Mm-hmm. And then that's just so... Nuanced and and there's just a lot of uh, complicated stories behind it, which makes the show and story so colorful and meaningful. Yeah, there's a lot of rich, uh, conver- I mean, rich relationships amongst people. It's yes. not just everybody's running. Right? Yes, yes. And then of course you're right about the pol- political statement, right? There's the there's this kind of mystery and power around the king, and then you start seeing the the kind of evilness behind it and under it. The conspiracy. Is, the conspiracy. conspiracy. And so you, yeah, it's it's, it's really quite. It's, it's really very quite intense good. drama. Yeah, and it's available globally now so you get the pitch from her and you're like okay she's done good stuff before she has a clear vision of what she wants she even has some uh imagery of it what's the next step to to produce it how how is it produced um so i think we 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 wanted to make sure that we create we realize the the uh the writer's vision so that we can create the best version of the story Uh, so we spent the writers spent a lot of time working with our creative executives uh, on coming up with a script, uh, and we did we spent uh, even more time uh, doing pre productions to because it's it's a very difficult piece uh, a zombie show uh, a, zo- a drama with zombies in it has not been produced before. In Korea before Kingdom, okay. So there had there were a lot of planning that went into it, uh, and we there were a lot of because this was our first uh, scripted original show. Yeah. We went through a lot of trial and error. You're learning how to do all of this exactly. So like our partners le- learning the way Netflix makes a show, and we don't Plus, have a studio space there, so we had to find a company no, that would produce no. like have the studio space and all of that. Right. So it's all the figuring out all the interfacing of between. Right, them. right. Yeah. I, I mean, we we actually shot Kingdom all over Korea, so there, it was a lot of travel. Also, is that why it's so beautiful? <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes, yeah. you can actually experience all beautiful parts of Korea. But I think for for us Netflix, we also learned. Uh, the Korean, how Korean entertainment industry works as well. So it was it was a, a very exciting process that sort of helped us understand uh, the Korean industry uh, and sort of try to figure out how we have to do business in this country. Yeah, when we're you're shooting it, you're traveling all over. I'm assuming you're meeting people, and, and I mean it's a very busy process. Gina, when do you start looking at? how to tell the story of this to the customers, not just locally, but also globally, the marketing side of this. Do you, are you seeing the early script stuff or are, are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We partner with content team from the get-go. Why? Because you need to understand the show. You need to understand the story. And more importantly, you need to understand why the writer is writing this story and what is the story that we are actually trying to say and t- tell the world and why. And like understanding why is such a critically important part of uh, and building any campaigns yeah. for any type of shows. Because if you don't do that, you produce something that doesn't represent the show, right? You've got to 
Right. And then the there's a reason why the content team is making the bet. There is reason why the writer and then the show creators, they want to make the show. They have a story to tell. We need to understand that. We need to understand the vision of the show so that we can actually tell the right story to the audience. Oh, nice. So you're in, an, you're in that early and your staff yes. is in that early. Yes. And what are some things that you took away as uh, things that you definitely wanted to present in marketing and showing what the show is? Like, what was the campaign look like? What did the campaign turn into for marketing this show in Korea? So a lot of the things that Min just said, because um, the topical issue of uh, uh, the zombies uh, in this very political backdrop was not something that was just very new. And then the size-wise, the production quality and the size of the show, we were just bringing a lot of new things to the table. And, and, and so we made sure that, that how different the show was and how unique the show was. And also just bringing life to the vision of the show that, that uh, the writer and the director uh, told us about. And then like, like having that essence in our campaign that was critically important. So I think every step of the way while we were building campaigns uh, a bit by bit, I think we discussed a lot why something that we are doing for our campaign has to be said this way. And then what is like, we have to just wanted to make sure that we represent the show and yeah. then how unique it was. What kind of things did you do for it? Did you do billboards? Did you do uh, yeah, we do magazines? All, yeah, a lot of different things. But also we worked with uh, zombie actors a lot because they were, you can say, oh, they are like this, like small ca- like characters or just you because you cannot like say they are the big name stars of the show. But but we knew that, that the zombie actors, like they were the essential part of the show and then they are the one of the most important characters. Right. So we They're also driving the plot so yes, strongly. Yes. Sure. And then the all the hard work they put into the show, like getting all the makeup and then like living as a zombie for month and month and month, that's such a difficult thing. Yeah. And then then, then there was just such a beautiful story to tell. So we not only work with the main cast like Ju Ji-hoon and Baeduna, but we also work uh, a lot with the zombie cast. What was what was uh, the reason the marketing and publicity campaign for Kingdom, why it was so important, was not only did our teams did a great job in taking the vision of the creators and... Uh, telling it in the right way that can appeal to the audience. But what was more important for us on the content side is that it it sort of created such a huge splash in the industry Mm -hmm. that made the creators sort of see when you give us your story, this is what we're going to do. Right. We're going to do the best we can with it. Exactly. Right. So you're telling the other um, creative people in Korea we're a good company to work with. Right. You're showing what the service can produce for the customers and right. new new things that have never been done. Right. Um, historic zombie, which is really neat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a lot to do, and it kind of also because of the time frame because it was one of our, it was our first Korean original. It was our first scripted original. Script, script. It it means it kind of represents us for a long period of time. You know, people talk still at, at Netflix uh, in the U.S. You know about Orange is the New Black and House of Cards because those are the first ones that people think of. That's a Netflix show I've got to see. And right. so Kingdom did that for for Korea. Right, I, I think, think Kingdom, there. Kingdom from like a lot of different perspective. Like when 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 the whole industry saw Kingdom, they could sort of see the type of the shows that they can uh, make with Netflix. But also it, the way that Netflix treats the show that they have created, how 
how much we how much effort we put behind to yeah. make sure that our audiences it's sort of delivered to the audiences and our audience enabling our audiences to find did the we, show. Did we do a good job on that one? We did a great job on that oh, that's one. That's good. I'm glad you're proud of it. Man, just um hold that for thought for a second. I do want to talk more about that. But Gina, how do we know if we succeeded in marketing that show well? I mean the show is great, obviously, but how do you measure whether the marketing campaigns you do are successful? Well, you can use a lot of data points. You can try to look into social data and then how many impressions, how much buzz, and then media coverages. There are a lot of things that, that you can like uh, like learn by just looking into hard, some hard data. But also, you can actually, when you make big enough splash, and then you know that your show is like being in the center of this zeitgeist, then, then you know it, you can feel it, everyone else around you is talking about it. I think Kingdom was that like the moment that everyone at Netflix and then all the people who was involved in uh, who were involved in uh, making the show kind of felt it. Yeah. You we could feel that like whole nation was talking about it and <laughs> So they, it's more important than the numbers specifically. It's yes, more about Yes. And how it also affects. at the same time we got ton of good great feedback from the other markets like US and and all the or different Asian countries like there were so many questions that and our internal teams were keep reaching out hey guess what so here's the thing I, I, I was just watching a YouTube like clip and then in that YouTube clip and that has nothing to do with Netflix there was an interview of a, a, a person who's working like running this small store in a very traditional Korean market in Seoul and then the the product that he is selling is like Korean tra- traditional like costumes and and hats and everything. And then he was saying because of Kingdom, a lot of foreign visitors and tourists come to my store and, and then uh, they are buying this Korean hat that Jujin was wearing. the The hat was called Kat. Yes, yeah, it's kind of the famous hat yes, now. Yes, yes. So, like, when there's a great show, like, the, all this... So, did I know as marketing team that this Korean hat was going to become a thing in the U.S.? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> but but when you are just working with a lot of amazing people across the board, uh, uh, across the world, and then you have an amazing show, and then you, are, you know that your campaign is just, like, uh, making like a lot of great energy in Korea and outside of Korea, you can kind of feel it. And then I think that is stronger, much stronger than actually looking into hard data points. Okay, very cool. I I like that it's still about how people are feeling. Um, I, I enjoy that. How much autonomy do you have? How much ability do you have, both of you have, to make decisions? Are you kind of like queuing up questions and then shipping them over to California until someone answers and and then deciding that, that way? Or how does it work? We get asked that question a lot. So, who is the decision maker? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who do you who needs to get a, like give you approval on making that show, especially on, on the content side, because if you're making huge investment on content, um, but I, it's actually the local teams that makes the decision. Um, we do have a lot of conversation with uh, our colleagues in Singapore or Japan or U.S., but it's not to get an approval. It's so that just like how we do, how we make decisions in any other uh, agenda, it's just so that we can make the most uh, informed decision. Uh, so we do a lot of, we have a lot of conversations around it, but it's ultimately up to 
the local office, not only just the local office, but up to the creative executive responsible for that show. One of your staff. Yes, and a team as a whole to be making the decision. Okay, so wait. Someone gets a pitch of a new show and they go, ooh, I really like it. Someone, someone that works for you. Someone, and they go, I really like the show. We're gonna, we should do the show. And they're really behind it. And so you talk a bit about it and they're like, I think it's going to cost $6 million to do the show. And inside your office, you all kind of talk about it and go, okay, we're going to do this. Or don't you have to get approval from somebody? So we, we actually talk more than a bit. <laughs> so uh, we we actually get into like a lot of discussions. So what what is the audience? What's the estimated audience size? Who do we think the audience for the show is? Uh, what's the market cost? What is our willingness to pay? Who is the right? Uh, who is the sort of the director? Who's a partner that can actually uh, create the best version of the show? Um, what so, actors might be interested in it? Exactly, all of that stuff. Exactly. So. It's a, it's a big job making making movies yeah. and TV. So yeah. There's a lot of conversations <laughs> sure, sure. that's associated to it. Uh, and we don't only have it within Team Korea. We have it with many other teams because for Korean content, the travelability is also very important. So we have conversations with a lot of different teams in different countries. Okay. Uh, but it's ultimately the person, uh, the team on ground and the lead uh, creative's decision uh with all that information to sort of decide, let's... To do it or not. Do the show. They, you do not need someone to call from California to say, yep or no. No, no. no. I, because you have the most, con- your group has the most context about the show right. and you know what to do. It's still amazing to me. I mean, everybody, I, I always ask this kind of question and it's always just kind of incredible the, the autonomy that groups have right. to do things. I think that's pretty much in line with the, the Netflix culture. Absolutely. That still, that also uh, exists in the Korea office too. Yeah. Not only Korea, but everywhere. So there's a lot of Netflix culture and a lot of this is this, you know, high, high context sharing, uh, a lot of freedom to make the right decision that you think as a very informed captain, if you will, of your project to do. Um, there's also, th- there, there's general idea that it's as flat as possible, right? You can talk to anybody at the company you need to talk to. There's a whole bunch of kind of things that I can list off in a dinner party on kind of what the culture is at Netflix. How much of that is challenging in Korea? What is it like? What's the difference in how people react? Is there more hierarchy in Korea? Um, tell me, talk, talk about that. I'll, I'll talk about myself, uh, my own experience when I was working for big companies. But um, during the interview process, I asked a lot of questions. And then I also could tell, uh, wow, this is what Netflix culture looks like while I was being interviewed. Mm. Because the kind of conversations that we were having was very, very different from the how traditional interview process that, that someone like me would go through in Korea. In the marketing industry in Korea. Yes, yes. So you don't like it. But, but we were. So I remember the my hiring manager at that time. We started as like he studied uh, as uh, an, an interviewee and then he was int- supposed to interview me. But our interview quickly turned to a debate and then I was just very intensely disagreeing with him <laughs> and I think it's <laughs> I don't know how did that happen what was but, the debate about uh so we were talking about some strategy about Korea and then he had a vision which I didn't agree and then so so and then he was really interested in like having the conversation so we were talking about it and I was not afraid of just expressing my thoughts because why because I, it was a conversation. I didn't feel like I was like 
if I had all the ready-made like answers in my mind, it doesn't work. Yeah. Like if you're interviewing with Netflix, it doesn't work that way. People ask real questions, and it's a conversation. And then you might—I mean, let's say I have prepped all the answers that I want to, so that I can impress yes. <laughs> all the people interviewing me. But you might be able to do that for one or two questions. But you can't do it for, because you are having a conversation, and then you are having a series of conversations right. with all different people, and then like everyone asks a lot of different questions from all different angles, and then you can totally tell there is no right answer. How do you feel you were doing in the interview at that point? If you're arguing with the person that's interviewing you that you think their strategy is wrong, I think at that point I wasn't like really like worrying about am I going to get this job or not. I was just very into the conversation. So he wanted to talk again. So I was like, okay, let's talk again. And then he wanted to is, talk again. Is so, that? And is, then like at that at one point we just thought that I should just join the company so that we can keep debating. <laughs> and you didn't debate that. You said, okay, yeah, I agree with you. Finally, yeah. <laughs> did is that is that a, that ability to say I don't think that's right? I'm going to argue this point. Is that a, a a Korean way of doing business? Does everybody do that? I think yes, but in a different way. Maybe so? we wouldn't really say it uh, so. Openly and so directly, of course, people say no or like it's 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 sort of like a virtue to be modest and to work in harmony. So in more, it's changing also in uh, Korean companies too, but in the more more traditional companies, uh, you usually don't disagree as hard. Um, so that I think does that is, mean people have to pay attention more to the slight disagreements that happen because they actually mean a lot more than might be perceived. I think that's part of the culture. Korea, being a very high context culture, we have a lot of shared context. So you don't have to spell out everything like people are saying. You can actually just read the room and you understand what's being said, even though there is no open like no one is openly saying no. I disagree, but you you know. It's a no. Why is that? Uh, why is that prevalent in Korea? Because that's the historical background that we have, and, and a very shared historical background, yes, a yes, very homogenous yes. kind yes. of culture, if you will. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that produces a kind of get along because everyone's got the same vision. I think I would say just a lot of shared context. Yeah. Okay. Which definitely helps. Shared context definitely helps people make yes. informed decisions. Yeah. But this Netflix is a global company, and we operate in different countries, in different time zones, in different languages. So I think you have to just openly say it, what you think, and then like why. Yeah. Otherwise, things can get even trickier. It sounds like you were able to do that pretty quickly, even the interview process. Have you found that other employees and and maybe when you st- come from Korea business and come into Netflix, are there things that people get have to learn to do differently? A lot of people, will, will, they will uh, read the culture deck or the culture sec- uh, section of Netflix company. And if you read it and then if you don't like it, and then if you feel like that's not something you want, I think it's very unlikely for that person to be wanting to come to Netflix. Yeah. But most of the time that, that the candidate that we meet, they have a ton of questions. They are super curious about the culture. How does it work? And that whenever they, like those people, although they have not actually lived a culture similar to Netflix, like when they have the curiosity and then there's the passion of to, to learn about just something a little different, just, you know, in terms of how we work together, 
I think it's a really good sign. Yeah. And then most of the time, those conversations are really fun and, and, and just exciting. Yeah. I think the Korean cultural, the traditional, like the cultural background is, could be different. But I think what we, as in the company, is looking for is just a sort of those elements of a stunning colleague. And I don't think it's different just because we are in different country with different yeah. culture. So, um, and because we actually have a, a culture sort of memo that lays out what our culture actually is, and everybody interprets in a different way. Every single interview, we ask a lot about the culture and uh, also ask uh, if they have any questions about the culture. Right. So if they've really read through the, the deck and really understand it and then are excited by that and ask questions that are like, but how about this? And kind of challenge it a bit. Yeah. You kind of see they're engaged in that thought process. Yeah. yeah. But the common question that um, yeah. I get, I don't know if Gina gets it too. I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get Netflix culture, but is it is true? It true? <laughs> and is it true in Korea? Is it real? Yeah. Is it real in yeah. Is it possible in Korea? Yeah. Because Korea is a, such an age-driven country. So such is a, it such a what? Like a age-driven country. I don't know if I'm expressing it in the right way. So, for example, in Korea, when I introduce someone as my friend, uh, it mean, it literally means we are same age. Oh, So okay. there are different terms that I would use to introduce someone who's older, a friend who's older, or a friend who's younger. So that sort of automatically creates a hierarchy. So age is hierarchy exactly. in some ways. Interesting. Uh, one, one part of the hierarchy, I think. So people actually, I mean, the title be, being, being a flat organization, that I think is something that a lot of the Korean organizations are adapting and getting used to. But age is something that's difficult to get over because of the way the language and the culture, everything is structured. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, they ask a lot of that too. Um, but I do think, I, I don't know how old my team members are. Sometimes they tell me I forget. because Yeah, every, I don't know like how old they are either. Yeah, every, one, every uh, wait single a second, I don't really know the ages of my, but you're saying that's unusual in Korea to, know, to not know the ages of everybody? I wouldn't because say unusual, a, but normally you would know how old they are if you are working really closely with them. Because you have to use a different language. There's a, a set of honorifics okay. that used to uh, the people who are older than you. Sim- similar to in English where you kind of gender, there's words around gender. And if you don't know the gender, you're yes, in the yes, space. Something which like we're transforming it, yeah. right now because yes, of the yes. alternatives. So, so you specifically don't know that necessarily the ages of the people you work with. How do you deal with the honorific? What are you doing? Just speaking English? <laughs> no, 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 no. We speak in Korean. Sometimes we, we speak in English, but most of the time we speak in Korean. But we just use the same honorific to, uh, For term. everybody. The friend For one, everybody. the neutral. For everybody. Ah, and then we don't call titles because it doesn't really mean anything. So, like, there's no... It's in, in traditional Korean business, if you will, would you say everybody's title as part of their name when introducing them and stuff? So, the, so the title calling be... out the title instead of calling out their names, it's more common. Oh, you call a person by what they do. Yes. But, Interesting. but like, like uh, uh, whether it's a director or manager, so you call them by that with the last name in front of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it right. Yeah. So you know which but one then, you're talking about. So a, a lot of the companies are changing also. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not just Netflix. I think Korea is a culture, it's a society. We are changing a lot. And then, yeah, and then there's just a lot of beautiful things about like having a lot of respect for the senior uh, people and all that. But it's just that we are 
because we talk about and then we want to just achieve uh, the kind of the wor- the the goals that that we all just share commonly. So I think there's just less about those things, but more uh, emphasis on just how we work collaboratively together as well, you know, partners. The biggest advantage of working at Netflix is that you get to work with the most stunning colleagues. Yeah, and when you work with a really smart and stunning colleague. It, the age doesn't actually matter. Uh, you don't actually feel it. So I, I remember uh, one of one of the directors on the content side who 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 joined after working more than ten years at a, at a traditional company. He said one of the shock that he sort of like a culture shock that he mm-hmm. had was that you can be really competent uh, no matter what age you are. So he was very much impressed by this colleague who was almost 12 years younger than him. And he was really shocked when he uh, found out, had the opportunity to find out how old, what her, yeah, how old she was. Because that person was doing such an amazing job right. and they had respect from everybody. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Because there is, of course, a time in life when age definitely means like, you know, I've got middle school students, you know, 14-year-old girls. <laughs> and, you know, their decisions are not... At the best space, you know, I'm not treating them the same as I do my colleagues at work. Um, so it definitely feels like that's a natural tendency. I find it interesting that you're trying to drop that in at Netflix because there must be other things that are just um, – there must be a lot of benefit in the society and having that kind of structure as well. What happens if you have a colleague that is obviously a lot older? Do you fall into using the other honorific or are you really trying not to do that? We just use the same language yeah, for, for everyone. Everybody. Yeah, okay. So, so it really just brings everybody up to the same level of yeah, respect. Yeah, right. Really? Okay. That, that, that works for me. That's really interesting. Well, this kind of, touch, this kind of touches on what, what kind of um, inclusion diversity challenges you have in Korea. And also we have oh. to remember that just no matter how old you are, you are making the decisions about the work that you're dri- driving. So it just it doesn't really matter. That person is the informed captain, and that person will make the decision. Right. And then how old that person, it really doesn't matter. Right. If they're doing the job, they're doing the job. That's good. So I was going to ask you about inclusion and diversity, and I, I found it kind of challenging because, of course, pretty much one language, pretty much you know one group of people. What kind of inclusion and diversity challenges do you have? It sounds like you've got one around ageism, and you're trying to change that a bit. What about gender is, and or language stuff? I've worked at multiple different companies. Uh, Korean company, international companies. Uh, I think Netflix, for me, uh, was the only company that sort of include uh, non-native, being inclusive to non-native English speaker as a thing. Okay. Because when you work for an international company, it's like by default, you have to speak great English. So not being able to speak great English was not something that needs to be, I don't know, considered and be inclusive about but Netflix was the the first company that I've worked for that actually uh, wants to make sure that non-native English speakers English speaking colleagues feel included okay uh, what kind of things are done to help so we we talked before, before we started the discussion you both said to me if you, if, I, if I'm not clear English is my primary language if I'm not clear please tell me correct it that's one of the things we do right we try to you know, try to be as clear as possible about the challenges we might be having. What kind of things that do you see Netflix doing to make it work to function in English-speaking business um, as a second language? 
um small things and big things like all all different stuff uh for small things like let's say in a meeting if i don't understand any something or something that someone said then then i could just casually say hey i didn't get it can you rephrase it or if someone is just keep using the idioms that that like do not really translate to uh the people who uh, to the people english is their second language i would just call it a you're using way too much idioms and then I, i'm not understanding and can you, you see that people take that and go oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay let me fix yeah. that yeah can you just speak in plain english and yeah. then they they go yeah it's just such a The rephrasing is a great one. Don't repeat what you just said. Say it in a different way now. Uh I think that's so useful when trying to go through different language barriers. Speaking slow. Sorry, I I speak fast. It's fine, it's fine. Speaking slower. When I say that, when I call that out, I don't feel like I am like... like becoming a burden to anyone i feel totally normal and okay to call it out yeah creating that kind of environment is yes, really hard to yes, do you need right. to produce that right. so, and people are conscious from even from sea level that creating that kind of environment mm-hmm. is sea level means the executive staff right Up, mm-hmm. yeah okay that, that everybody's aware that that's important right. yeah right. we can just call it hey not getting it Mm-mm. you want to rephrase that right. <laughs> well so in your office there must be some people that do not speak korean right How do you deal with that? I mean, I'm I'm assuming that sometimes you just break into Korean. It's a faster way to communicate between two people that speak Korean. It's primary, right? So what do you do? Right. So I think we are very conscious of the fact that inclusion has to work the other way around here. So it will be much more efficient to be conducting meetings in Korean or or having conversations in Korean. When, When two Koreans have hallway conversations, we do speak in Korean. But as soon as... one person joins that conversation who doesn't speak Korean, then we quickly switch Mm -hmm. to English. To be inclusive. Right. Yeah. Interesting. How many people are in the office that are not uh, native Korean speakers? Well, we have a lot of visitors too. Ah, yeah, yeah. But we have uh, one or two colleague. We have one colleague that speaks no Korean. We have a couple of colleagues who finds English more easy, easier. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I, I think that what um, the exciting thing that sounds to me that's happening there is the office is very new, and you're you know spinning up the 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 originals production in Korea, and it's this major uh, television and film producing space. Right. It's there's a few of those in the world. And Korea is one of them. It just produces a lot of content. So it's a really kind of exciting place to be uh, at Netflix right now and probably in Korea in television right now. Um, What are you seeing as the thing that's the current challenge for you, for your for your teams? I think for for us, for the content and production side, I'm guessing it's for everybody who's working in those remote offices. It's not. not pressuring our partners to do everything Netflix way or telling our colleagues in LA or in Singapore, this is Korean way. But we, all of us see our role as bridging that gap. Oh, uh, figuring out what's going to work in the market, but some, that has to, uh, that actually sort of um, reflects the Netflix values. But at the same time, we have to be able to scale. Yeah, and you'll be able to fit. Right. Uh, so yeah. figuring that out. So I think every single person, no matter what title they have, which team they're in, I think all of us are uh, like bridging that gap is what we believe is the biggest role that yeah. we have. Yeah. All right. 
Is that true for you as well? Yeah. Okay. My boss is in Singapore, and then, like, we are pretty much loosely coupled. And then we meet once a week, and then we will talk about things, and then he will tell me the things that that's in his mind and everything. But it's not like I am asking for permission or anything. And and most like his intent intention is to help me and support me better. Mm-hmm. And then most likely he will be asking, "Hey, what do you need from me? How can I help? How, how can I support better?" So it's not like you report to someone, you ask for something, and then you have to wait for the approval or, or anything like that. Yeah. So having the uh, the alignment with all different part of the business, while you are your day is really just very very busy, like working on a lot of things in Seoul, like that's a challenge because you have to do a lot of, we say cultural interpretation. Yeah. There's a just there are a lot of differences in how people think, behave and then what's right, what's wrong. Like so you have to make sure that there's this alignment across all different locations, across all different functions, like no matter what. So that uh, Netflix as a company understands what you are trying to achieve here. So I think and that is slightly different from my day-to-day job. Yeah. So I think finding the alignment and then building it, I think that's a challenge. But yeah. these, these are also possible because we have leaders like Tina's manager or like my manager that sort of always empowers us. My manager always says like he's not the local expert. Min is a local expert. He just helps me navigate uh, and sort of socialize what are our strategies or or our our decisions. Uh, And And in many cases, they don't know what we are doing if we don't (laughs) tell them. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) That second job to inform everybody what's happening. Their job also must be... Not must be. Their job is also difficult because in the process of empowering us, a lot of the times they have to support some of the decisions that they don't fully understand if it's within the, like, if they don't have the cultural context. So um, I think sometime back, back I told him, like, your job must be pretty tough (laughs) (laughs) supporting something that you are not 100% clear Uh on. And then in some big meetings, I say something and I just realized, oh, I didn't tell my boss. And I'm like, (laughs) and he's sitting right there. And I'm like, "Mm, sorry, but (laughs) this is what's going on. This is the truth. This is what's happening. Um, All right. The last thing I want to talk about is how, how committed we are as a company to making uh, the Netflix office and the content work. What are we doing? Uh, what are we investing? And in, and what's on the slate? What are we? What are you working on right now? I think one um, one thing about everybody working in the Seoul office is that we are also very proud of what Korean content means for our business. Uh, so we we are getting more and more confident that Korean content is very significant. Uh, will have a significant impact to our business. Overall, so we're making a lot of investment in that front. So we've we've just sort of recently announced that we are going to be having uh, more than ten shows lined up uh, throughout. throughout <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, ongoing, amazing. Okay. Yeah, and all all produced in Korea. Yes, all uh-huh. produced in Korea. It's Korean stories that we are gonna going to produce and deliver to the worldwide audience. Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> uh, and we have we have uh, 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 teams like Gina's team who is going to g- create the great campaigns around those shows, um, not only in Korea, but in, in the markets where we believe Korean shows are strong. Mm-hmm. So we have pretty exciting shows uh, that's coming so up. So it sounds like it's a good time to come and join the team there if you're interested in making I cannot movies. emphasize that more. <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you what do you tell people that are uh, when you're you know talking about the excitement to get people excited about joining your team? Because we are building our teams, Minnie and her teams are building our content slate, and then like there's just a lot of of like building the foundation for the future. And then I would say this is the most exciting time yeah. to join the company because you are the one who's making the decisions. You will pave the road for whatever you are driving. Yeah. No one is telling you what to do or how to do. So it's just there is a lot of uh, freedom and which can be just a lot of pressure too. But yeah. at the same time, once you get to uh, the, the, the taste of having that uh, like freedom and then the responsibility, it's really addictive, to, at least to someone like me. So, <laughs> I, and, and at the same time, like, uh, as a Korean person who worked in entertainment for a long time, like, knowing that, that the power of Korean content, the quality, and then the, the, the kind of stories that the Koreans can tell, like, it's such a, like, powerful thing. And then knowing that what I do and that how we do can actually, um, taking these Korean, amazing Korean shows to the world so that the whole world can watch it. I, I think it's part of the reason why I feel so excited about Netflix and working for Netflix right now. And then I think uh, uh, all the, the shows that we are making, how we are going to introduce them to the global audience made in Korea, watched by the you know, word like that's something that the whole office is really excited about. I can't emphasize more about how exciting it is to be building the audience for the Korean shows, like for the world. We are just incredibly uh, proud yeah. about the kind of content that we are producing in Korea. Okay, good. One last question for both of you: What are you currently watching? I am watching The Politician. Mm, just came out. And uh, there's a Korean show that I'm watching right now called When Camellia Blooms, which is a beautiful story. So if you is haven't watched the Korean film? show before, it's a, it's a Korean TV series. All right. When, when the, what, what's the show? When Camellia Blooms. When Camellia, is Camellia a flower or a person? Yes, a flower. Okay. A flower and person. Uh, I thought maybe You'll it was. know. You'll know when you see the show. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks for the recommendation. Tina? I can't believe we are watching exactly the same show. <laughs> Thank God I answered first. <laughs> and also, uh, I'm a huge fan of Terrace House. Terrace House. Yes. Yeah. So I'm watching it. Um, yes. I'm watching a lot of uh, episodes of Terrace House. Yes. My girls got way into Terrace yes, House. The That's new season good. came out. No, it's You so have good. to check it out. <laughs> Thank you both for being on We Are Netflix. Thank you for letting us be here. Pleasure. Thank you. We Are Netflix is hosted by Lyle Troxell. He's a senior software engineer at Netflix. You can keep up with We Are Netflix on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. To learn more about careers at Netflix, go to jobs.netflix.com.